Hello, and welcome to the Lancet's In Conversation With podcast. I'm your host, Gavin Cleaver, and it's our September the 2nd issue. Each month, we're going to have a podcast accompanying one of the most interesting papers published in the Lancet over the last few weeks. This week, we're looking at a paper we published online first in August, entitled Clinical and Cost-Effectiveness of Nurse-Delivered Sleep Restriction Therapy for Insomnia in Primary Care, that's the HABIT trial. I'm pleased to be joined by one of the authors of the study, Dr. Simon Kyle. Dr. Kyle, perhaps you'd like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your position. I'm Simon Kyle. I'm a researcher based in the Nuffield Department of Clinical Neurosciences here at the University of Oxford where I investigate treatments for sleep and circadian rhythm disruption. And you're one of the authors of this fascinating new paper published in in the Lancet Weekly Journal about uh, interventions for for insomnia. So perhaps before we get going and talk about your paper, we can talk a little bit about the the background of it. So insomnia, it it feels like so many people suffer from insomnia, but how prevalent is it in the general population? So insomnia symptoms, uh, that is difficulties with the initiation or the maintenance of sleep affect approximately one-third of the population at any one time. On the other hand, chronic insomnia, which is is persistent sleep difficulties, uh, lasting at least three months uh, and leading to impairment to daytime function, affects approximately 10% of the adult population. And I think you touched on it a little bit there, but generally what sort of burden does insomnia disorder place on people's health? Insomnia has a range of uh, consequences. It impacts the individual because it affects mood uh, and cognitive function, which can um, have an impact on, for example, work performance, uh, social functioning, and and one's overall uh, quality of life. Insomnia also appears to aggravate existing health conditions, and it increases the risk of developing future health conditions including uh, mental health problems like uh, depression uh, and anxiety, uh, but also um, conditions like chronic pain and uh, cardiovascular disease. Uh, Insomnia is also uh, costly uh, for society, both with respect to direct uh, health care costs, like increased uh, appointments and medication use, but it also confers indirect costs like um, reduced work productivity uh, and, and increased uh, absenteeism. So what's the kind of generalized procedure currently for, for insomnia disorder? For when, for when someone approaches a health system with insomnia disorder, what, what generally happens to them? So there are two main recommended uh, treatment approaches for the management of insomnia. Uh, the recommended first-line treatment in international guidelines is cognitive behavioral therapy. So this is a multi-component psychological therapy usually delivered by a psychologist, um, which targets the behavioral and the cognitive factors that that drive and maintain poor sleep. Hypnotic medication or or sleeping pills are also approved for the um, short-term treatment of insomnia, usually a few weeks, and when CBT is not available or has been ineffective. The issue is that in most countries, there is a very poor provision of uh, CBT for insomnia principally due to lack of uh, expertise and and resources. So, for example, one study in Switzerland showed that just 1% of people um, with insomnia in primary care were actually referred for CBT. And so in our work, we wanted to test a potentially brief um, and scalable version of CBT uh, in the primary care setting uh, with a view to increasing uh, treatment uh, access. 
So there's a real there's a real gap there. And of course, into this, your paper on sleep restriction therapy comes. So, so tell us a little bit about the background of sleep restriction therapy as a treatment. So sleep restriction therapy is one effective component, potentially the uh, most effective component of multi-component cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, it's a behavioral therapy that targets factors that we think uh, perpetuate uh, poor sleep. So this includes spending excessive amounts of time in bed, so extending uh, your, your your sleep period um, often as a compensatory response to poor sleep. Uh, and it also addresses the kind of variable um, and inconsistent sleep-wake schedules that many poor sleepers have. Sleep restriction therapy involves a clinician reviewing the patient's sleep-wake pattern and supporting them to implement a new personalized sleep schedule over several weeks. The new sleep-wake pattern does lead to an initial kind of reduction in time spent in bed. So this is in order to consolidate sleep, to make it deeper and more efficient. And the treatment advises against daytime napping and helps establish a more regular bed and rise time to improve the consistency of sleep. The sleep pattern is then reviewed each week um, and uh, adjusted according to to a, a treatment algorithm. So we think that these behavioural uh, changes to the sleep schedule uh, act on on the biological mechanisms that regulate um, the sleep wake cycle. How generally is a sleep restriction intervention delivered? Sleep restriction therapy is usually delivered within the context of the multi component treatment. So it's it's typically one component of four or five uh, treatment elements. But in our study, we wanted to focus just on the sleep restriction therapy. Uh, And so we train nurses without any uh, prior experience of sleep disorders or psychological therapy to deliver this brief sleep restriction therapy uh, treatment. So the treatment involved four brief weekly sessions um, and uh, with an average uh, total treatment time of just just, uh, 1.5 hours. Um, so very brief and focused uh, therapy. What did the results look like? The study recruited people with insomnia from general practice uh, and it randomised them to, to one of two groups, so either a sleep hygiene booklet um, or the sleep hygiene booklet plus the nurse-delivered sleep restriction treatment. Um, the participants that, that we recruited were around 55 years of age uh, on average um, and had experienced insomnia for around 10 years. Uh, and about 70% had two or more comorbid um, health conditions. So the primary uh, outcome was at six months, um, uh, which uh, was measured with the insomnia severity index, a questionnaire capturing the severity of the nighttime and daytime symptoms of insomnia. Um, and at six months, the sleep restriction therapy group had substantially lower scores on the insomnia severity index relative to the um, the control group, the sleep hygiene group. Um, and 42% of those receiving um, sleep restriction therapy had a clinically meaningful improvement in their insomnia compared to just 17% uh, of the sleep hygiene group. Interestingly, the sleep restriction therapy group also had significant improvements in um, mental health-related quality of life uh, and depressive symptoms uh, and in work productivity. And these benefits were found across the 12-month study period. Uh, the study also looked at the cost-effectiveness 
of the intervention. So this considered the cost of training nurses in the treatment, uh, costs to deliver the treatment, uh, and any change in uh, healthcare costs, for example, appointments uh, with the GP, as well as the effect of the treatment on quality of life. And these analyses found that the sleep restriction therapy program had a high probability, about 95% of being uh, cost-effective from an NHS uh, perspective. Are there any limitations that we need to bear in mind when thinking about the results of this? So there are some limitations of our research that really should be kept in mind when interpreting the findings. So we we recruited from from you know three uh, diverse regions of England, but the participants that enrolled in the study nearly half had a university degree, and ninety seven percent were from white uh, ethnic backgrounds. So this does limit the generalizability um, of our results to the entire UK uh, insomnia population. And so more work is required with diverse uh, populations of poor sleepers. Future research is needed to understand how the uh, nurse-delivered program could be implemented in the National Health Service and other healthcare systems around the world for example, as part of a step care approach to uh, insomnia management. I think it should also be kept in mind that the, the sleep restriction therapy, it, it can be a challenging treatment because it requires the patient to closely adhere to a sleep schedule that typically induces sleepiness during the early weeks. And so it can be difficult to, to follow and to follow seven days a week. So we need to understand how we might better support people to implement and engage uh, with the treatment. We also need to better understand how we might personalize treatment based on sleep physiology and circadian phase uh, to see if we can uh, you know, improve and potentiate uh, treatment outcomes. Uh, and these are questions that we're currently exploring in our ongoing research program at the University of Oxford. Well, that's great. It's a really fascinating study in such an important area. And you can read it online now at thelancet.com. And Dr. Simon Kyle, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you. It was a it was a it was a pleasure to uh, to speak with you.